When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a bona fide medical advisor. What I like most is that bona fide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to hellobonafide.com and use code radio39 to save 20%. That's hellobonafide.com and code radio39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and by... Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Yes, disembodied voice, this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are talking about the Blackhawks and the NHL and all sorts of great things for you on this Tuesday night. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, is the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, the one and only resplendently bearded Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, feels like we just had a big honking podcast and now here we are talking again because you and I don't feel like staying up until one in the morning to do post game shows the next two nights so we're probably going to end up having to do a morning after or whatever so let's talk some hockey tonight man yeah it's it's a bit of a weird schedule this week with uh, the two late night games like you said we're not going to do post games for those because I had to get up in the morning you had to get up in the morning screw that noise um, and we couldn't do one Friday like a full length one so this is really our only shot at a full-length podcast this week. So it's probably going to be a little bit shorter um, just because of the odd schedule. But So here we are, two more losses to talk about since our last full-length podcast. Now the Hawks have lost uh, six of their last seven. Uh, the one win they do have, they scored in the literal last second and then won in overtime. So not a lot of positive. I think the last game against Calgary was a little bit better. We talked about this a little bit on the post-game show that it felt like kind of like a baby step. But mm-hmm. still, the big picture is not looking great, and uh, I can, I don't think anyone's pleased with much they saw from the Blackhawks over the last week or so. No, and they shouldn't be. I mean, they're obviously Jeremy Colliden has been really fed up with some of the stuff he's been seeing from the team as of late. I mean, they have been making some pretty bad decisions. We've seen that in just all sorts of areas, whether it's defensive positioning, bad pass attempts, Chris Kunitz is 
you know, flying elbow circus. I mean, we've seen just a myriad of bad decisions and just very poor discipline out on the ice. And I get that you have a new coach and I get that you're having to do all sorts of like potentially different things, but it's not like he's trying to reinvent the wheel here. It's not like Jeremy Colladin came in and decided that he was going to make a big giant change to the Blackhawks strategy. And yet they still have been playing like he is. They've been playing like everything's just completely different now. And there's been a lot of freelancing and bad decisions and stuff. And I think we've definitely heard a lot of just Jeremy Colladin being irritated with this team. And I'm sure you've noticed it too. And he's been expressing some frustration, basically laying it out on the line and saying, there's only so much that coaches I think can do in situations like this. Ultimately it does fall on the players that they just have to simply execute better. And it's surprising to me that he's already willing to kind of go out and say these things, but here we are. And he's already kind of showing some irritation with where this team is in terms of its play and in terms of its discipline. Well, Cowden has two options and and I'm glad he's actually sort of stepping out and saying something because the other option is for him to just be like, well, you know, the guys are learning a new system. No, he's got to sort of come out and put his nuts on the table and say, this is unacceptable. I don't care if I'm new. I don't care if you're butthurt that Coach Q is gone, that your security blankie's gone. And look, this is going to come up in the email of the show, so I'm not going to spoil it. Us giving Jeremy Cowton the, the benefit of the doubt, does that make us defend? It makes us uh, objective, right? We cannot base anything we've seen from Jeremy Cowton yet is a big picture decision, positive or negative, about his, what, what he's going to do. I know there's a lot of people that are already dismissing him simply because they're mad Quenville was fired. Those two things are not related. You can be pissed about Quenville and still give Cowlton a chance. You're not right. you're not limited to having either Quenville rules and Cowlton sucks or vice versa. No, that's not how it is. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I like what he's doing. I like the fact that he's publicly saying this is not good enough because it's not. And anybody watching this product on the ice can tell you that this is not good enough. They're not playing well enough. And again, you said it. It's not strategic for Jeremy Collin to tell guys to make bad blind passes or to not knock a, a forward out of the crease when they're standing in front of Corey Crawford or Cam Ward. That's not Jeremy Collin's system. We have seen a obvious, blatant lack of effort, lack of enthusiasm, lack of give-a-damnness, and Collin's seen enough of it too, and he's pissed off about it, and he should be. Totally agree. And I think that uh, there's there's times where I'm kind of hesitant to throw out that, you know, oh, they're not trying hard enough thing, because I feel like sometimes fans kind of go to that well a little bit too often. Sometimes it's just a fact of the matter that the team isn't that good. But I think in this situation where the types of mistakes that you're seeing the Blackhawks make, I think that you definitely can make the argument that there is a discipline issue there. Some of these mistakes that they're making just simply can't cannot be made. And I think part of it might be that they're pressing, trying to get out of this kind of losing funk that they're in. And that's obviously understandable, but there's also a carelessness to it as well. And I think that when you're kind of been watching hockey for as long as you and I have, and as I'm sure, excuse me, a lot of the fans of this podcast have been watching it. I feel like you can kind of tell the difference if you really like pay close attention and really put it under the microscope. And I feel like, yeah, there has been some pressing trying to kind of get out of the losing funk and that's inevitable, but there also is just that lack of discipline and that carelessness. And I think we've been seeing plenty of that too. And I think that it should be called out and I'm glad Jeremy Colladin is willing to kind of call a spade a spade and not, you know, issue forth a bunch of platitudes and try to kind of gloss over everything. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you said what you said, because I think that, uh, you know, fighting the confidence thing and pressing a little bit is part of it. But the way you work your way out of that is by just working, right? Like working hard, skating hard, simplifying the game. You know, every hockey player from the, the moment the puck was dropped on the first ice rink outside, they say, like, we've got to simplify the game. The way to work ourselves out of this is is to get the fundamentals. Those things are fundamental for a reason. It's because they work. It's because they, at the very least, prevent you from getting your ass blown out, right? It's a way to play a responsible brand of hockey, and I think we saw it more in the Calgary game. That was more of a responsible game than the ones prior. It still wasn't great by any means, but it was a small step. And, you know, I, I just, 
this is the time, and I know we've said this before, but this is going to remain the story until it's fixed. This is a time when guys like Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook and Saad need to be like helping and helping things along and, and improving. And when they're on the ice, settling things down and, and looking like positives. And for and a lot of those guys I mentioned have been gasoline on the fire lately. And mm-hmm. that's that's that if that's going to be the case, that's really, really bad. And I don't know how they overcome that. And I liked how you mentioned kind of the work hard attitude. Um, I have been seeing some guys do that. And I know that obviously it's been pretty easy to find things to be critical of with the Blackhawks as of late. But I know I've been making a conscious effort during postgame shows to kind of highlight efforts that I feel like are worthy of highlighting. Just kind of guys who are clearly busting their home, clearly trying to do the right things out on the ice. And I think that Jeremy Colladin has been rewarding some of those guys that have been kind of showing that initiative and that kind of drive to succeed. I mean, I'm talking about guys like Artem Isimov, who feels like he's been all over the ice lately. I've been really liking what I've seen with Dominic Cahoon as of late. I've liked what I've seen out of uh, several other players, uh, especially on the offensive side of things. I still think we're obviously seeing a lot of poor play on the defensive end of the ice, but there are plenty of kind of younger guys and forwards who really are kind of busting their humps lately. And I definitely feel like Colladin is noticing that and he's giving those guys more ice time as a result. Yeah. And and I want to go back to something you said a bit ago too, where um, I think you and I are very careful and have been historically people that have listened to this podcast where we're kind of the last guys to say like, they just need to try harder. They don't care. They're not interested. You're right. Usually, um, that's not the case. Usually like guys are just struggling or it's a confidence thing or it's a bad luck thing or it's a, you know, something, uh, you know, mechanically wrong that needs to be adjusted. But I do think there was a bit of a difference with what we saw, like just passive skating and mm-hmm. just a lot of uh, standing around watching things happen. Um, so I think there's a difference there. I just want to make sure we reiterate that, that, that that's, it's never been our MO to go and just, oh, you know, they're losing, so they don't care. I don't recall really ever saying that on this podcast, aside from the last handful of games here. Maybe there was a time or two over the last four years, but it has been a real problem over the last handful of games. For sure. And there's uh, it, there is an element to the pressing thing that I think we can kind of maybe get into when we discuss a little bit about Chris Kunitz later in the show. But I think for right now, what we need to do is kind of take a step back. We've been talking a lot about the Blackhawks kind of failures lately. We have done two full podcasts in the last like four days or so. So I think that this we need to take a little bit of an opportunity to step back and take maybe a look at the broader picture, give ourselves something a little bit fresher to talk about. So I think after we get back from our first break, if it's okay with you, Jay, I would like to talk about the new central division rival. The Blackhawks will have in three seasons, the new NHL team that's going to be coming into the league in 2021. And what I would have done about the alignment of the league. If I were put in charge of the NHL for a day, that sounds wonderful. I think one more thing too, about the Blackhawks we should get to next segment is the imminent return of Connor Murphy, who should be playing uh, within the next week or so for the Blackhawks on the blue line. So we'll get to that and everything James mentioned after this break. But first, we got to talk about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, give them a call, 708-478-6090. you got a team, you need a jersey made, you need T-shirts made, they'll knock it out. It will look fantastic. They hooked up the Madhouse Podcast T-shirts and the Madhouse Podcast banner for our Puck Cancer event uh, back uh, last week on Tuesday. Boy, that feels like forever ago, doesn't it? An eternity ago, yes. Yeah, for over $4,000 raised by Madhouse Podcast listeners. So thank you again for that. But Triple Threat Sports, call them 708-478-6090 or send them an email, chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. My partner, James Naveau, is alongside as always as well. Want to tell you about our friends out in Crest Hill, Marishka's. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. Uh, one of our favorite places, one of our original sponsors. Go visit jo- Joe Zadralovich and his family out there. They are running that place with love. It is run by the family. It's run with uh, the care you'd expect from an old-time, long-time local business. Uh, they are famous for their poor boy sandwiches, which are absolutely outstanding. 
Uh, but guess what? Tonight, Hope made some garlic bread with our pasta, pulled out the Marishka's garlic butter, slapped it on some garlic bread. Absolutely outstanding. Amazing. Uh, Marishka's to go. Some uh, nice garlic butter in a tub. Thank you, Joe. I love you for that. But go there. Try the poor boy. Try the steaks. Try the chops. The seafood is outstanding. I love the twice-baked potatoes. Those are always a hit. It's hard for a fat guy like me to pass up French fries, but when I see that twice-baked potato, I'm going for it every time. So go check out Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Hit them up, marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit Joe and our friends out at Marishka's. Man, that just makes me hungry every time I think about it. And I just had a wonderful meal that my mom cooked for us. So thanks, mom. That's thanks lovely. for the spaghetti. That was good stuff. Um, we Before the break, we talked about NHL realignment and the new team that's going to be coming into the league in a few years. And we will get to that. But we did want to bring a little bit of a ray of hope to the proceedings, something positive about the Blackhawks. And that is the imminent return of the man who will save the defense and make them a playoff contender. My friend, it is one Connor Murphy. He shall be back soon. And Jay, we were talking about when he could potentially come back. And I'm looking at the Rockford ice hog schedule here. If they wanted to send him on a conditioning assignment, Rockford is at home this weekend against grand Rapids and the Chicago wolves. So Maybe while the Blackhawks are out there on the East Coast or on the West Coast, uh, maybe we can get some Connor Murphy action in Rockford. That would be uh, that'd be good. I think the sooner he's back, the better. And, and look, I know you're being sarcastic with your he's going to save the Hawks, um, but he is a better option than uh, I think at this point, Jan Ruda. I think for sure, Brandon Manning. I'm yep. curious and anxious and excited to see how Connor Murphy does um, without the uh, judging eye of Joel Quenville. We know that. And rightfully so, Murphy had a really bad start to his Blackhawks tenure. When he took the ice for the first time last year, he was replacing Joel Quenville's favorite player in Nicholas Jalmerson. So he was behind the eight ball already and then basically came out and played poorly. He was not a good defenseman to start the season. And if you want to lose Joel Quenville, cost him defensively. That's, that's really a way to end up in the doghouse. And I think he found himself there. One of the few guys, though, that I think eventually worked his way out Usually once you're in, it's hard to get out. But I, I'm I'm anxious to see how he's going to do with Jeremy Cowden as his head coach with maybe a sort of a clean slate uh, with, with Cowden. And I, and I think that he, um, and of course, it's going to take him a little bit to get back to full strength and to be his, his normal self. Back injuries are nothing to mess with. But right. I, I'm really curious to see how he's going to do, how he's going to fare. Because if he can be anything close to what they thought they were getting, when they traded for for him or anything like we saw towards the middle and end of last year, then it's definitely an upgrade. And he's probably your third or fourth best defenseman right now. I would agree with that. And obviously I was being sarcastic about him saving the day. But to your point, too, I feel like right now when you put him into the lineup, he's probably going to be your second or third best defenseman. And I do think he's going to be a net positive on the ice. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got. But I also think the Blackhawks do need to get, get bring him along at least a little bit slowly, which is why I would be totally OK if they send him to Rockford, get a couple of tune up games. in. I think that that would be a really smart idea. Get him out to the uh, beam. Is it still the BMO Metro Center? Is it? I don't know what it's called out there in Rockford anymore, but get him, like a couple, get him a couple of games out there with the ISOGs with Dylan Sakura and company. I think that would be a really smart idea. Um, but yeah, Connor Murphy, I think I said fourth best. There's no way it's fourth. Second or third is probably right. He's probably yep. our second or third best defenseman at this point. Well, that is where I, the hockey genius of the podcast, put him before you copied off of me. So there you go. It's always a contest with you, man. <laughs> we can't just be a team. There's no, no I in no, team, James. I, I, I can spell, Jay. I'm aware of that. But However, there is a me <laughs> in team and James. There, There is an I in the word Metropolitans, and that's what I hope that the new Seattle hockey team will be called when they begin play in the 2021-22 season as the NHL's 32nd franchise. Why do you like Metropolitans? Eh, it's just a throwback to what they were called back in the day. I, I like that idea. I like the homage aspect of that. I think that there there's no other real like name that would make me go, oh yeah, totally go with that. I'm 
big fan of tradition, so let's go with the Seattle Metropolitans. I think that would be a really solid uh, name, good hearkening back to the early era of the NHL. Why? Do you have another uh, name that you prefer to that? The one I proposed on Twitter is the Seattle Mariners, but not baseball, actually on ice. That's the name of the team. That's the full name. And you have to call them that every time. It's like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Orange County, right. Beach Goer. Yeah, okay, no, I get you. I don't have a preferred name. Here's what I don't want. Don't give me something like ultra modern and trendy. No, yes. You know, like, that's, do, see, that's why I like Metropolitans is because it's traditional. Right. It's tra- But it's, it's both traditional and trendy. It's kind of perfect because it like harkens back to sort of the hipsteriness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that a lot. Uh, but then I got to call them the Mets, and that's going to be annoying. Well, okay, so here's another thing that Maybe I wanted to bring up. Maybe they'll trade for Marion Hosa, like, Ooh, the, like the Mets yeah. traded for Robinson Cano. Uh, is Hosa still going to be under contract at that point? I don't think he is. <laughs> They're going to have to sign him to a one-year contract, and then they'll Bobby Bonilla Well, you him. know that, that <laughs> Bowman's going to have to trade with Arizona before they join uh, the Central Division. Oh, um, thanks for ruining the surprise, Jay. <laughs> well, the, the news only been out for like 14 hours. But yeah, you, I'm go sure ahead, our break listeners have absolutely no idea what what is going to happen with realignment that uh, Seattle is going to be in the Pacific Division and the NHL is moving the Arizona Coyotes to the Central and they will be a divisional rival of your Chicago Blackhawks. Did you see uh, Jason Demers tweet? Uh, I did not. Today it said, oh, we're in a Central Division. I see how that works or something like that. And it was the uh, gif of uh, Zach Galifianakis like doing math in his head. <laughs> Well, to be fair, it is the least disruptive way that they could do this because the Coyotes are only one time zone behind us for a majority of hockey season. So it would have either been that or they would have had to maybe split up Edmonton and Calgary, which they didn't want to do or put Vegas in the central division or under James Naveau's brilliant alignment proposal. I don't know if you heard me shake the paper, but I literally sat there at my coffee table today and came up with an eight division NHL with four teams per division. And under my proposal, you would play a home and home against every team in the league and then play four extra games against the other three teams in your division for a total of 74, not 82 hockey games. First of all, Jay, what do you think about lopping eight games off of the hockey season? I love it, but it will never happen because you're if asking the- you're asking teams to throw away eight ga- or four games of revenue. But you're also minimizing their travel by only having six games against divisional rivals and then two against everybody else. You're cutting back on travel expenses, too. Mm. I would think that a home game revenue for like for one game is more than would would more than make up for travel expenses. Okay. Well, if if the owners insist on keeping 82 games, I do have a contingency for that. You pick two of the other seven divisions every season and you have them play another set of home and homes. You would have eight more games. I like that. I like I like both. Honestly, okay. I'm just yeah. trying to be realistic about like the leaves, and that that's the thing. Like, I want the baseball season shortened. I want everything shortened just to start the playoffs sooner and have teams in better like physical condition when the playoffs start. Yep. But the revenue thing is something we can't ignore. Uh, but I I like that idea. I think it, would you go back to the old playoff format too? Just the best eight make it. That was my idea. Was that the teams in each of the like there would be four divisions basically in each conference, and then yeah, so it would be just the top eight. Obviously, a division title would guarantee you a playoff spot, but you could potentially have you know one team from one division and then three from another. Like that totally would be fine with me. Yeah, I'm ready for the old playoff format to come back. Um, I know what the idea was to like spring all these new rivalries. I just don't, it hasn't happened. No, it has. I don't think it's worked the way they had it planned. And uh, like I'm trying to think of like new rivalries that have sprouted since the new format came. And you could say like, well, the Hawks and Predators. Well, that just became more intense because the Predators got better. Nashville got good and Chicago got worse. Right. And there's no the the hottest rivalry in hockey over the last decade was Hawks Canucks, and it had nothing to do with regional. It was just the fact that they met in the playoffs year after year after year. It's like what happened with Colorado and Detroit. Like, it wasn't like a proximity thing. It was the fact that it was two good teams that kept playing in April and May. 
Yeah. I, I, I really think, I will always think that that's the best way to grow your sport and to yes. grow rivalries, rather, is to have, and, and there's no way you can do it. You can't really make it happen. Look, like, for the last four or five years, they finally stopped this year and just called Wednesday Night Hockey, but the league's been trying to push, like, Wednesday Night Rivalry and the Blackhawks and the Flyers because they played in the 2010 Cup, remember? Like, eh, just <laughs> stop trying to force it. Like, just yeah. let rivalries happen naturally. That's how they occur. You're always going to have the Chicago and Detroit's in whatever sport and, you know, the Chicago-Milwaukee or, or those sort of things are going to happen because of proximity, but you can't force the real rivalries. They come from competing year after year after year. Look, the Hawks and Wild played every year for I what? never felt a rivalry never, there. Never, well, because it never felt close. I never yeah. felt like the Hawks were going to lose to them. And I think Minnesota maybe feels that more. But when you ask your average hockey fan, like, what's the biggest rivalry in a Western Conference, would Hawks Wild be top 10? No. 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 So these things just have to happen. You can't force them. I appreciate the effort. I see what they're trying to do, but I don't think it worked. And I think when the next CBA rolls around, I would not be surprised to see him go back to the old format because I did. I do think you had a lot of really good teams getting sort of screwed early on because of the matchups they drew. Um, and I don't think it's a fair way to do it. I do have in front of me my list of the eight divisions. I yeah, did let's name, do it. I gave them geographic names. I did not give them player names. I know that's kind of a trendy thing to do, but I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and try to determine a appropriate player name for each division. So if you have any ideas, Jay, hit me out. Hit All me right, let's them. hear the so, divisions. I'll come up with names. All right. The Northeast Division will have Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and Boston. So you keep a couple of really good traditional rivalries in that division. Obviously, some really storied franchises in that division. I called that the Northeast. Or division. The or yeah. I thought about calling it the Ore as well. Um, oh, I like that. The Empire Division instead of Metropolitan, I called it the Empire, and you'll see why. Because it has Buffalo, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. That's the Mike Francesa League. <laughs> That's the Sports Pope League, my friend. All right, the Atlantic Division will have Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. That is the. Hosa division, my friend. I was I was thinking about calling it the uh, Lemieux division if we had to go with a uh, yeah. player name, but I'm sure Washington Hosa, fans wouldn't Hosa be a big fan of that. Hosa played in the Southeast with uh, their Atlanta uh, – what are they, the Thrashers? Is that what they were? What a fun three years that was. Um, they were the Thrashers, yes. Yeah, so honor Hosa and his Southeastern ways. I don't know. We do have a Southeast division, and this is the first division where we kind of get crazy. And you're going to have to go with me on this. It has Nashville – Dallas, Florida, and Tampa Bay. This is basically like the Sun Belt Conference in the southeastern United States. That's going to be called the... Hmm. I was thinking about calling it the Beach Bomb <laughs> Division because... Something insulting. You be, except Nashville. You know, whatever. Um, but hey, all nice places to go visit during the winter. And I think that Florida and Tampa Bay would appreciate not being in a division with Ottawa and Montreal and Toronto anymore. That would probably be good. Yes. Um, boy, I need the, I, let's leave that one up to our listeners. Give okay. me those teams again. Florida, Nashville, Tampa, Florida, Nashville, Tampa, and Dallas. Oh yeah. There's going to be, we're going to get some good results from that. Best result for that division gets a Madhouse podcast t-shirt. Let's Works go. Let's do it. We, okay, you're, Jay, you are going to like the Midwest division. The it is division, my friend. This is, by the way, we are moving over to the Western Conference now. Yes. It will be Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, and St. Louis. Mm, Likey. It moved a little bit. When and here's that. the thing like, yes, Detroit is moving back to the Western Conference under this proposal, but. You have to keep it one thing in mind. Their three divisional rivals are all very close, and you only have to do one and one against every other team in the Western Conference. So it's not like you would be adding a crap ton of travel, not a crap ton of late starts. I think that this is the best way to get Detroit back into the West and back into having a meaningful rivalry with the Blackhawks. Got it. Like it. Love it. What would we call the Midwest Division? Would we call it the Chelios? I will come to Bourbon A and stab you in the throat. <laughs> it's the Probert division. Okay. 
I can go with that. They I won't go with that. Absolutely go with that. No, too much cocaine. Um, it's got to be the Howe. You got to call the Howe yeah. division or something, or the Makita division. Yeah, I bet they would probably go with Makita just based on like recency and stuff, but I don't know. Who knows? All right. This division is one that I wrestled with a lot because it is far from perfect. But in order to keep Chicago and Detroit together, in order to keep Nashville in a reasonable division, in order to keep just some big time rivalries together, I had to kind of make a little bit of a hodgepodge division, but it's not terrible. It's only two time zones. It's Arizona, Colorado, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. Arizona, Colorado. Give me again. Minnesota and Winnipeg. Minnesota, Winnipeg. Okay. Probably call that the Solani division. Screw you, Anaheim. Yeah, that's that makes sense to me. <laughs> um, I called that the Central Division, by the way, if we had to go with a uh, geographic um thing but like the the problem is right now like the the league is so coastal heavy that there had to be a team or two that was going to get put in maybe not an ideal division right but i think arizona having colorado i think that kind of makes up for it like it's not as bad it's just it there's not a lot of hockey in that area and when you hear the names of the pacific division and the northwest division you'll understand why right So we're going to go to the Northwest Division now, which would have Seattle, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Obviously had to keep the Battle of Alberta. And then I think that you could potentially have a good rivalry between Seattle and Vancouver when the hopeful Metropolitans come into the league. That will be their first rival. And it will be sold as such, and it will be treated as such. The weird thing is that the hockey fans in Seattle are, for the most part, Canucks fans. Yep. So that's going to be an adjustment. But I think that these Seattle fans will glom on quickly to the Seattle team. Uh, just the way they support, like, I know the Seahawks are NFL, but, like, the Sounders have a huge fan base there. So, yep. I mean, they are going to come out in droves. This I saw 33,000 season ticket deposits already. Big time. And, look, the Big United Center numbers. holds the most fans in the NHL at last check. And they're, what, 29, like 20, or no, 21,000 or so. Well, I think like a sell is like 24, like with uh, standing room and stuff. Uh-huh. So, I mean, 33 is there's going to be a waiting list for season tickets before they ever play a game. Which is insane because they're not going to play a game for like three years. Right. All right. And then finally, my Pacific division, but by process of elimination, is Los Angeles, Anaheim, San Jose, and Vegas. The least interesting division in hockey. Sorry. I mean, you have to keep L.A. and Anaheim together. And then, you know, it made a lot more sense for me to have San Jose and Vegas be in that division. And I know Arizona would be pissed losing that rivalry with L.A. But under the under the NHL's realignment, they're losing it anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. I, I like this. I like. Let's recap them real quick. Go east to west. Okay. Your Northeast Division, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Boston. Your Empire Division is Buffalo, the Rangers, the Islanders, and New Jersey. Your Atlantic Division is Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. Your Southeast Division, your Sunbelt Division, Nashville, Dallas, Florida, and Tampa Bay. You've got the Midwest Division with the Hawks. Columbus, Detroit, and St. Louis. You got a central division with Arizona, Colorado, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. That's a mountain division, by the way. That's a good that's a good name, I think. Go with that. I don't know how, how many mountains are in Minnesota, but we can check. The Northwest Division is Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle, and Vancouver. And then your Pacific Division will be LA, Anaheim, Vegas, and San Jose. I like your idea. I'd like to subscribe to your podcast, my friend. I'm I'm glad that you like it. I actually put a lot of thought and effort into this, and I'm being completely serious when I say that. Like, well, I'm being completely serious and saying you're a giant nerd. Yep, and I love it about you. Re- realignment is like one of those things that it's one of the most fun things that you can kind of game plan in your head. It really is. Like, I really. I get my hockey nerd on when I get to do stuff like that. So I appreciate that. I am going to post this, by the way, as a blog post on the Madhouse Enforcer page on NBC Chicago tomorrow. So if you didn't write it, write it down and play along at home, 
it'll be there for you to kind of evaluate and excoriate. Well, after absorbing all that, I need a drink. So I think when we're done, I am going to head to Rabbit Brewing, our place in Homewood, Illinois. They are one of our newest sponsors. They're not our newest, which is crazy, uh, but they are one of our newest sponsors. They were the awesome hosts of our Puck Cancer fundraiser. If you're a fan of any kind of beer, even if you're not a big craft beer fan, because truthfully, I'm not a big craft beer guy. I get, you know, I had like, too many hops. I'm not interested. I get like too full from and like truthfully, like a little too drunk. Sometimes I just want to like nurse a lightweight beer all night and feel good and not be sick and full. Rabid, they got you covered with that. But if you are a craft beer snob and you love the hoppy, the crazy, the experimental, they've got you there too. Rabbit has stuff for everybody. The tap room is just an awesome experience. They're full of engaging art, chalkboard walls. You can leave your message. You can draw your wang on the bathroom wall if you prefer, like so many people do every time we're there. They have one part on their wall that says, who would you resurrect? And just a bunch of people had suggestions for who should be brought back to life. Uh, speaking about Brobert, bring him back to punch some people for the Hawks. Um, but it's just a great place, a great vibe. Go in there. There could be hockey on. There could be sumo wrestling on. There could be kung fu movies on. Classic episodes of Star Trek. You never know what you're going to find at Rabbit Brewing. That goes for the atmosphere. It goes for the beer. It's a great place. They make you feel like family when you're there. So go visit Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you, finally, to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We will be back with the three stars of the game and the email of the show on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600. That's right. The three stars of the week are brought to you by Michael Elwood, serving Chicagoland with Remax First Service. 708-675-1600. Find your dream house with Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. All right, our three stars of the week. Now I'm flopping my paper around. It took you probably a lot less time to come up with this list than it did mine. It did because we did this two games ago. Yeah. And uh, there hasn't been a lot happening since then. But, you know, it's sponsored, so we have to do it. With a smile, of course, we're happy to do it. Number well, three. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael Elwood's getting his money's worth. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> All right, number three star of the week goes to Chris Kunitz. Why? because he took a dumbass penalty that got himself off the ice for the last two periods of the game. That, my friends, is the most he's, he's donated to the season all year long. So thank you to Chris Kunitz for that. It was a very selfless act by Chris Kunitz, uh, getting himself thrown out of uh, Sunday's game. By the way, two games in a row, I believe the Blackhawks have had a player ejected. Is that is that sound right? Or did he? Yeah, did no, it was Keith and ejected him. ejected against Winnipeg? No, it was Nashville. Okay, I was like, wait, Duncan Keith got ejected at some point in there. I thought it was Saturday. But, yeah, two in a row. By the way, who's going to be number three tomorrow night in Anaheim? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, hmm. I'm going Brandon Manning. No, nah, Crawford's going to, like, neutral castrate somebody with a stick. <laughs> All right, so your money's on Crawford. Mine's on Manning. By the way, uh, Chris Kunitz, you think uh, he should have been suspended for that elbow? I do, but I think the ha- the league is punishing the Hawks by not suspending him. <laughs> I think the Hawks are going to healthy scratch him tomorrow night. Just a thought. That would probably be a good idea. I'm good if I never see him again, by the way. Like, okay, the experiment happened, and it didn't work, and now it's time for him to, like, you're an ambassador or go visit some sk- some schools and stuff and wear your Hawks jersey. I don't need to see him ever again. I, I, he's By the way, in case, in case our listeners are not aware, Chris Kunitz has a no movement clause in his contract, so of course the Blackhawks can't send him down to Rockford. Well, how do you not know that? He signed with the Blackhawks. I mean, if you sign with the Blackhawks, you have the automatic no movement clause. Dude, even Marcus Kruger has a friggin' modified no trade clause. Yeah, and an extra million for no uh, particular reason. Yes, I just hit my head with the microphone. That happened. I appreciate that. <laughs> we have a lot. We have a lot of uh, sound effects in this edition of the podcast. We have papers rustling and microphones hitting foreheads. Co- and host coughing. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure next you're gonna like crack open a beer from Rabbit Brewing or something, aren't you? I actually have a very refreshing Topo Chico in my hand. A mineral water. Love Topo Chico. 
You know what? I've actually become more of a mineral water person as of late. I really have been enjoying the orange flavored Perrier. Like I've been drinking a lot of that and I feel really pretentious, but it's also just really tasty. Yeah. Well, whatever makes you happy, do it. That's my new philosophy in life. Number two star of the week. This is one we didn't see coming. Artem Anisimov. Nice yeah, goal. What the heck, man? What got into him? I don't know. Role reduction? Maybe he's just like, whatever. All right, I'm a fourth liner now. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, he uh, only, he has a goal and uh, seven shots on goal in his last two games. Also had a goal and an assist in the 6-5 to five loss to the Winnipeg Jets. So Artem Anisimov has definitely been playing more noticeably. He's been getting to the front of the net, which is something that he's really excuse me really Whoa. good at do- yeah that was bad um been really noticeable lately i mean there is a reason the guy basically like clockwork can score 20 goals a season it's because he has stretches like this and gotta give credit where it's due man artem and isimov has looked pretty darn solid lately all right and the number one star of the week uh for me and you we both agreed goes to dylan strome who's got three points in his four games with the hawks including two goals uh he's had a bunch of other really nice looks um, yep. I wrote about it today in my three up, three down uh, piece for 670thescore.com. I would like to see him be a little more aggressive shooting, but then in the same breath, I feel like I don't want to take away that creativity and patience that he has. He's got the ability to take, wait that extra tick and get off a better shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I want to see him shoot more when the chance is there, especially considering where the team is right now. But I don't want to overemphasize it because I do think he does have a knack for some patience, uh, positive patience, uh, and, and some playmaking and some and getting himself a better look. One other thing I want to say, too, is there was a lot made about his skating, his poor skating. He's not the fastest guy in the world by any means. But I no, think it was, not. it was probably a little overblown. Don't you think that he's like, oh, my God, this guy can't skate. He's fine. He's keeping up. He's playing with Kanan to bring it and landed our number one star of the week. So he's doing something right. I don't mm-hmm. think he's like catastrophically Michael Roosevelt slow. Could have, and again, could have been just a change of scenery guy. Maybe he wasn't really comfortable with his role with the Coyotes. Maybe he just didn't like playing in Rick Tockett's system. That's always possible, too. I mean, that's. That's something that can happen. Like Vincent Henestrosa went to the Coyotes and really seemed to find a niche there fairly quickly. Same thing with Ryan Hartman and the Nashville Predators. So it's entirely possible that that could have happened. And I, I, I still I think the trade was one that had the potential to work out well for both teams, especially considering that the Blackhawks are going to get that salary cap relief of not having to worry about potentially re-signing Nick Schmaltz in the offseason. So I, I think that so far, so good with that trade. Obviously, it hasn't been like a franchise altering thing, but I really have liked what I've seen from Dylan Strom so far. And I think it was a lot of what was advertised as uh, things that he was potentially capable of doing. All right, that was the three stars of the week brought to you by Michael Elwood with Remax First Service, 708-675-1600. And for info on all of our sponsors, visit madhousepod.com slash sponsors. James, are you ready for the email of the show? Uh, I'm always ready for the email of the show. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for those menu items. You want to play the game we played the other day? Uh, where you give me a number and I give you a special? Oh yes, um, I'm gonna. What what were the? Uh, sorry, the parameters. Uh, I was gonna say nine, number, but I want to make sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Give me one through ten. Nine. Nine. Chorizo Rancheros, chorizo and cheese quesadillas, two eggs cooked to order, spicy tomato sauce, queso anejo cheese, a side of tomato chipotle rice and refried beans for breakfast or dinner. The soup is a duck and andouille sausage gumbo. What do you think about that, my friend? Dude, I actually, that sounds freaking delicious, and I'm probably going to order that the next time I go. That is the special on Sunday, December 30th. Just looking ahead at Chuck specials for the month. Unreal. What's today, the 4th? Yes. Today is a tamale casserole. Tamale filled with pulled pork, cooked in banana leaves, spicy tomatillo sauce, topped with Mexican-style chili cheese, sour cream, 
sides of rice, and refried beans. Mm, that sounds really heavenly. Yeah, if somehow those two things aren't up your alley, uh, go there, get a burger. Go there, get some wings. Go there, get some nachos. Get some Cajun food. Everything at Chuck's is fantastic. Check them out. Chuck's Cafe, Burbank, Darien. Do it. All right. Our email of the show comes from Blackhawk Bob. I don't remember Blackhawk Bob. As opposed to Red Wing Ronnie. But he says, hey, guys, your old bloody Blackhawk Bob here. Uh, A couple questions for you for the next pod. All right. I don't remember, Bob, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'm a jerk. I'm sure I've heard this name before, but, you know, he if he's an old friend, then he's a friend of mine. Dang it. He says, as the resident defenders of He Who Can Do No Wrong, Jeremy 35 and 3 Cowden, this was written a couple <laughs> days ago, can you explain how he could possibly think that breaking up Keith and Yoki Haru was the answer to what's all what ails his teams? And what's scratching the 19-year-old kid who is playing far beyond any reasonable expectation in order to play Jan Ruda could possibly accomplish? This team stinks without Henry and st- Keith stinks without Henry. That's question number one. I'll let you address that one since we are the uh, we're going to tackle this together because we are the resident defenders of Jeremy Cowden, apparently. <laughs> no, I'm the resident. Uh, make sure to keep things reasonable in my critiques of Jeremy Cowden and perspective. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it was maybe worth trying a little bit, but I thought at the time, and I thought afterward that splitting up Keith and Yokohar, you probably was not the best idea for either the team in the short term or, frankly, for Henry Yokohar's development. I think that that probably was a mistake. The scratch element of it, I thought, was maybe interesting because how else are you going to get through to a 19 year old kid who's like you just getting into the NHL? If you don't like what he's doing, I think that a scratch in a game is pretty tame in terms of like stuff that could potentially have long-term ramifications. So I was okay with that. Uh, They weren't going to win that game against Tampa Bay, most likely anyway. So doing it that game and bringing him back the next night against Florida, I thought was a pretty smart idea if you were going to try to send this type of message. And frankly, seeing him come back after his illness, I think that maybe it had the desired effect. I think he's been playing his butt off every single night, and he's made his fair share of mistakes. But if there was something in his game that he wasn't doing that Jeremy Colladin didn't like, I'm okay with trying to send a message. It worked with Brandon Saad. Why wouldn't it work? with Henry Yokohari. Right, and I don't think sending a message necessarily means like you're in trouble or you're being disciplined. It means like, hey, this is something that's been happening that we've noticed that we need to work out before you take the ice again. Perfectly fair, perfectly reasonable. And I wasn't happy when he was scratched, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that Jeremy Counton was not just doing it to be a dick. Yeah, right. and And that's not something we could have always said about the Blackhawks either. Right. All right, Uh, point number two from Blackhawk Bob, our old friend. He says, uh, did you think it was classy of Stan to throw Coach Q under the bus for the Kunitz-Manning signings this summer in his interview with Scott Powers? I'm sure you guys 100% believe Stan, but that was a classless cheap shot and really shows the kind of weasel Stan is. I don't believe uh, don't, for us. Don't go putting words in my mouth no, that, about that's, that. That's all Bob has done in this entire email, by the way. I don't believe for a second that Q specifically asked for Manning and or Kunitz, but even if he somehow did, the issue isn't that you signed them. They're both fine guys on one-year deals for veterans minimum. The issue is you overpaid them both, overturned Manning, and gave Kunitz a no-movement clause. We just talked about that and agree and didn't yep. do anything else to improve the roster. We also agree with that. It's just embarrassing and increasingly hard to root for. Uh, yeah, so... I don't James and I were critical of Stan all summer and all season. And I said the day that Quenville was fired, Bowman could have been fired also or instead of Q and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Stan Bowman is all just because we pointed out that all signs, the way Stan Bowman approached the draft and free agency, all signs were pointing to the fact that he felt safe in his position for at least the next few years. Doesn't mean that we are like Stan Bowman apologists. We're just looking at the situation realistically. And I said this on the on the last show when I when I was talking about how the Blackhawks players were pouting that Q wasn't here. And I said, Stan Bowman's a GM. Jeremy Cowton's a coach. Whether you like it or not, that's not a defense. It's a fact. These guys are going to have to, at least for the next calendar year, probably year and a half, they're going to have to deal with the Bowman-Cowton regime. And for their own good, they're going to have to deal with it. Look, no one was happy with how Q was let go. I said, maybe it was time to let him go. They handled it like crap. It was done poorly. And I'm sure, Bob, you're right that Joel Quenville said, 
get me a stay-at-home defenseman and a veteran forward. And Sam Bowman's answer was to get Manning and Kunitz. And Joel Quenville is probably like, this isn't exactly what I pushed for. And we also acknowledged, at least I did, that those moves, to in, in hindsight, now looking at the firing, were probably setting Q up to fail a little bit. And they were shitty. And they were weaselly. So don't come on my podcast <laughs> telling me I'm an apologist unless you hear every word I say, which is an unfair expectation, obviously. But look. It is what it is. We're going to be objective about Cowlton. It's not a great start. He would tell you the same thing. Sure. But he's qualified. He's the guy they had pegged whether Quenville retired or was fired. So just have some patience. Give him some time. He's introducing a brand new system to a three-time Stanley Cup championship team. It's not an easy thing to do. Give it some time. Give it some perspective. That's all we're saying. We're not saying you have to go, you know, get a Jeremy Cowlton fathead for your bedroom. We're just saying, have some patience, be fair about it. That's it. Although you could, because he's frankly kind of a handsome guy. Not my type. Too skinny. Ah, well, I was going to say he's too skinny, isn't he? Yep. Not, not my type <laughs> of guy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Mad House Chicago Hockey Podcast. Now that I got mad at an emailer for the first time in a long time. Bob, thank you for listening. Thanks for emailing. I think we're just uh, getting our signals crossed here. Your, your points are right. I think the only things you were wrong about was, was us being apologists or uh, Stan worshippers for some reason, because it, it's simply not true. Well, uh, I'll, I'll accept the Colladin thing to a degree just because we're preaching patience so hard. I refuse to accept that we're Stan Bowman apologists. We definitely are not. Fair enough. All right, so we want to tell you about something before we wrap up. We told you to save the date January 20th. That's been changed. January 20th is the NFC Championship, which, of course, the Bears will be hosting, my friends. Uh, And uh, you're not going to want to come to the Wolves game if the Bears are in the NFC Championship. So we moved that event to Sunday, February 24th. Save the date. We'll be sending out details very, very soon, probably by the end of the week. Keep an eye on Twitter.com slash MadhousePod and MadhousePod.com for all the info on the upcoming event. But until then... Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. By the home of your dreams, 708-675-1600. He is our star real estate agent. Thanks for listening to the Mad Chicago Hockey Podcast. James and I will talk to you very, very soon. The Aaron's AA team makes getting the name brand furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. We're talking top brands like HP, Samsung, GE, Beautyrest, and so many more. Take them home today, then make low monthly payments until they're yours for good. Aaron's great rent-to-own deals even come with easy approvals and free delivery. That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team.